10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown. It's like we've never been away. Happy New Year to you all. It's 2022. Whoopie-doo-doo. Three little ducks and an egg. Welcome back to the Friday morning break, the start to the end of your week. I'm Dorian Brown. It's Friday the 14th of January and we are live from the Teachers Talk Radio Island. Now, if you're making a New Year's resolution and one of yours was to read more, we have you covered. In the show today, we talk educational book clubs. Let's talk it out. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. The very warmest of welcomes to you all on this glorious day, on this glorious planet, in the freshest part of the year, and you are tuned into the freshest radio station around, or are you in fact tuned into a radio station? Maybe you could start an inquiry to find out if you really are. Now I'm back in the morning break slot temporarily, as in December I had the most wonderful idea of signing myself up for an Ironman race in February, uh, and therefore I need a bit more time to up my uh, training schedule. Uh, I'd also figured at the time at least that it would help me ease off the eating over the festive period, but alas, that was folly. More work to do for me for the new year. Anyway, I will be here at 11am spitting educational bars at you with my always much more articulate and sensible guests. Now, before I start my show today, a popular feature, well, popular in the way that I like doing it every week. I'm not sure uh, uh, how useful it is to you, but I do like to start with a new word or phrase of the for the week ahead. Uh, and there is, of course, some house points available for you if you're able to use it in conversation with somebody over the next week. My imaginary co-host, Susie Dent, is normally my source for most of the words that I, I find. Uh, however, I have decided to give her an extended Christmas break as a thank you for all of her imaginary time on the show that she sent spent with me last year. So today's word instead comes from my Auntie Shirley in Bristol. So thank you, Shirley. Uh, this week's word is one that I know will resonate for a lot of us, um, particularly towards the end of last term. And I you know, wouldn't go so far to say it's probably at the end of the first and second weeks of the term that we've had so far. The word of the week is from the 19th century and it is quanked. Q-U-A-N-K-E-D, quanked. It means to be overpowered by fatigue. And I thought that was such an apt word for us, as I'm sure um, you will all agree. So thanks again, Shirley, for that word. So new you, new year. How are we doing so far with those dry Januaries? How are we doing with those running challenges or the, 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 the everyday yoga apps which we committed to on the 1st of January. I have to be honest, I can't quite commit myself to making New Year's resolutions because of years of being drilled into the importance of goals having uh, or needing to be smart. And I'm not quite sure that the term New Year's smart target resolutions will actually catch on, eh? 
But there is something I know that many of us are increasingly committed to and and we do strive to kind of set ourselves goals uh, for is the continual sharpening of our pedagogical and leadership saws. Now, we've seen in recent years the cognitive science revolution and the sheer spike in the numbers of edu books over the past five years and uh, add to that the PD conferences like the emphatic research ed movement. um, And all of these things are really kind of quite... um, indicative I think of our thirst for this continual improvement or this Kaizen. So on the show this week we've got a ripper for you and something that may help get that thirst for knowledge and that self-improvement rekindled and and restarted as as, as this uh, show today we're talking about how to run and sustain an effective staff book club. Now, I'm sure many of you have been part of book clubs in the past, either educational or otherwise, uh, and I hope that being part of them, that most of you have kind of seen how sort of sharing that experience of reading can make it more enjoyable, it can be more motivational and, and can, can provoke some really effective discussions and, 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 and reflections. So having, having joined a number of them in the past for myself and also tried to start a few, um, the difficulty for me has been in actually keeping them going. Uh, and as we are all kind of really busy, it is it is near on impossible really to get everybody to commit to a regular time and place. And and then there's a discussion about what you read and how much of it you read and where the questions lie, etc. And it can actually be quite a, a laborious process, I think. So Zoom, I think, has made this sort of slightly easier logistically, but you still do need the drive, the skill and the motivation of the organisers, I think, to keep sort of fanning the flames uh, to keep the, the, the club going. And I am absolutely delighted today to be joined by two of these fanners of the flame, and that is Rhiannon Rainbow and Dave Tushingham. Before I do welcome them in, though, we are going to hear from Steve Woods for our two-minute tech, uh, and he's going to give us an update on his New Year's fitness app research. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Last week, I looked at some free apps for the New Year's resolution of getting fit and healthy. This week, I tried a few things out and I'm ready to present my findings. First up, the free version of MyFitnessPal. There's an old age saying that 90% of fitness is in the kitchen. If you want to get in shape, you have to have the right building blocks to do so. With this in mind, I set out to log everything I ate and for good measure, I even broke out the scales to get portion sizes correct. My first discovery is that 45 grams of granola, the recommended portion size, is nothing like the portion I've been having. In fact, I'd go as far as to say that it wouldn't even fill a hamster. Realising I was eating three or four times the portion I was supposed to has made me think about my other choices, so I ate the recommended 45 grams and logged the milk. I was surprised how easy it was to find foods in the search feature, even supermarket brands. The app gave me a calorie target based on my weight, height and goal I'd chosen. As I had a coffee, I decided to map out my day and stick to it to stop myself cheating. After a week of tracking, I reviewed what I was eating. I could see where most fat and calories were coming from, allowing me to consider, I'm not promising anything, where I could make changes. The question you want me to answer is, did I lose weight? The answer is yes, but I think my next experiment had the most impact on that. Over the break, I managed to fall asleep watching TV and woke up to an infomercial on a DVD box set to get fit in 60 days. 60 days sounds quite quick, but thinking about it, it's practically two months. However, I did a bit of research and found a program that didn't need any weights or equipment, just floor space. I picked up the Insanity Workout series for around £35 on Amazon. My thinking being, you'd pay that for a month in a gym and I get to keep this forever. Now, I will confess, I do consider myself quite fit already. However, nothing could have prepared me for this. With Sean T, 
the amazing energetic coach screaming dig deeper and about 20 fitness professionals bouncing around what looked like a high school gym i've spent 45 minutes a day for the past six days jumping stretching squatting and definitely sweating being honest i was ready to tap out after the warm-up on day one i'm not gonna lie i used muscles i don't think i've ever used by day three even sitting still and lying in bed at night hurt after pushing through today on day seven a rest day the pain has subsided and i feel great i just have one word of warning if you're looking to do something like this the long walk from the car park with a load of books may be impossible in the first week read the disclaimer this is not to be taken lightly in conclusion i can't see myself keeping up my fitness pal once the novelty wears off but it has made me look at my diet a dvd fitness program for me is great finding 45 minutes is not always easy and if you want to try before you buy if you're a member of netflix or prime already there's programs on there which are already in your subscription next week we're back to tech for teaching i'm steve woods and this was two minute tech two minute tech with steve woods your tech briefing on teachers talk radio live from qatar this is the morning break with dorian brown and joining me in the studio now is Rhiannon Rainbow and Dave Tushingham. Thank you very much, you two, for joining us on Teachers Talk Radio today. Thank you very much, Dorian. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're so excited to, to be joining you here today. Thank you. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you very much for taking the time to uh, appear on, on the show. Um, now, um, we've got a lot of questions for you today, so, uh, so you'll have to... Uh, be, be on your game and um, what I would like to start off really is what I start with all of uh, the the the, uh, the guests that I have on the show is just to give us a brief uh, introduction to yourselves if you like and your journey to education so far so Dave should we start with you yeah lovely thank you um, so yeah I've um, started off uh, teaching in Bristol um, and I've taught in the surrounding area now for between about 15 and 20 years um, working in um, sort of the, the local counties and um, I very quickly um, sort of moved up to, to be an advanced skills teacher uh, working in a, a school in South Gloucestershire. Um, really, really enjoyed the opportunity to learn more about teaching and learning and just, just found that that's where my passion um, was to, to sort of learn about, more about how, how you, you can teach well in the class, how you can really support these students. And um, after doing that job for five years, I went to, to be a head of maths um, in a, an accompanying school, a school in the Trust. Um, and, and held the head of maths role for about three, four years um, across two different schools. Um, and then uh, and then and sort of really enjoyed that, but just really felt like um, the advanced skills teacher role um, was for me. And, and when a lead practitioner role came up, I just couldn't refuse and couldn't turn it down. So um, I'm currently lead practitioner at the moment. Um, and uh, yeah, just just loving and loving being in the classroom um, and uh, really enjoying that sort of managerial and leadership responsibility. But, but with that teaching and learning hat on. Yes, beautiful. Thank you very much. And same question to contestant number two, please. <laughs> <laughs> and hello. So, um, yeah, hi, uh, Rhiannon Rainbow. I'm School Improvement Lead Maths for the Greenshaw Learning Trust. And I suppose what School Improvement Lead means is I get to do all sorts of exciting projects across the school and some that just need to be done as well at the same time. So it's incredibly varied and interesting and just like being in teaching no two days are the same and um I absolutely love what I do and it's been a it, it's been a really interesting journey I think too so 
I was, um, I'll go back a, a little bit. I was uh, results day, A-levels. I hadn't done quite as well as I thought I might have done. So I looked at the paper in clearing with my mum over breakfast and um, changed my course for what I was going to do, which was law, German and German law to um, primary teaching. So I ended up uh, doing a four-year primary maths early years um, BSc with honours at university and then partway through my course, my old secondary school found out that I was doing teacher training in maths. They're very short of teachers. So it was it was a four year course because of all the placements. And for the Whitson of year three, I actually spent as an unqualified teacher with an almost full time timetable in a secondary school. Wow. Um, and I got the bug from then on, actually. So for my fourth year. I was from, I did the final term, so April till the summer, with almost a full teaching timetable in a secondary school whilst writing my dissertation. It was my old secondary school as well. And then I started there in the September. Um, so I went from being a primary maths early year specialist to teaching in a, an 11 to 19 secondary school with um, maths at A-level. And then eventually we got further maths in A-level as well. And I worked my way up through there so starting as an unqualified teacher when I was still at university as a student and then through to um, second in department head of department and an associate assistant head teacher whilst being head of department as well there um, and it was just cracking I was there for like 15 years or something it was brilliant Wow. Um, and as it was my old secondary school, this, one of the other surprises was that uh, at one point, so there's 10 years between me and my youngest brother, my middle brother's in the middle. Um, we were all at the school at the same time. And even though it was a large school of like 1200 students in year eight, I was teaching my youngest brother for his math lessons. So wow, it was, um, <laughs> and, but that's what you get in a small community. And yes. I spent so long there and worked with some incredible people um, in, in maths. And then that kind of set me up, I think, then, because I'd, I'd been there for a while and I, I was looking for something new, something interesting, because mm. sometimes in a, if you're a subject specialist, especially maybe for a core subject. I, I, that's all I know. It's all my experiences. If you're doing well, people like to keep you doing that role. Mm. And if you work in a single school, there's only so far you can go. So it was um, autumn half term. And I, um, somebody told me that Ben Parnell was worth hang, having a conversation with. So I was on a holiday with my family on a phone call um, in the V&A Museum, um, just talking to Ben Parnell for the first time. I then met him on the Wednesday and then handed in my notice for a job as a senior lead practitioner um, based at Five Acres a couple of uh, three days a week and then two days a week working across that school and two of our other um, Gloucestershire area schools. Um, and that's where I started and I've worn lots of different hats since I've worked across just the Gloucestershire and Bristol schools, which is, I say just, is six, mm -hmm. I think, now. Um, or being full-time as assistant head teacher for Raising Standards Curriculum under Ben at Five Acres. Or then leading on and launching character education at Five Acres whilst working across schools for the maths. But all of the time it came back to maths. And as the trust grew... Um, I had a fantastic opportunity, um, not September, just gone last September, to make that 
full-time working across all of our secondary schools. So we currently have, well, hopefully by January, it'll be 13 official secondary schools in the Greenshaw Learning Trust. So I now, I now do that full-time. Um, and it's just, it's just been a, such an amazing journey. And then I, you know, I get to work with people like Dave, who <laughs> at one point was the, uh, I think he was the only lead practitioner we had in maths across the trust. And um, I, I think we've got quite quite an amazing group of them now. It's it's amazing just how far we've come. So that's me. Yeah. That's that's my story. It's not Pokemon, Rianne, and you don't have to collect all of the jobs, you know, but goodness <laughs> me, that's <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds absolutely amazing. And I love that very that very beginning experience where you were literally put in at the deep end. Um, and that is that's either fight or flight, then I find, isn't it? And that does tell tell you a lot, doesn't it, about you as yourself and and whether that whether the th- whether it is your vocation or not you know because full-time table plus dissertation whatever that would be enough to to to, to send even you know the, some of the most hardened teachers I'm sure kind of uh, it's questioning their, their their career choices so um the profession and and Greensaw Learning Trust etc are are uh, thankful I'm sure that you that you that you came back for more um so uh, well, there's so much out, and I often reflect on this when I speak to guests about the the the, the kind of the, the 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 tapestry, if you like, of people's careers to get to where they currently are. And and when you said that you're kind of wearing lots of these hats, etc., it kind of makes me think about you know that that's good because it gives you that kind of a holistic view and experience of what's you know teaching and learning and and pastoral care and what everything looks like. And I think that really does um, make you have better. Uh, a, a better overview of things when you're in such roles like that like that you are in now um could you just um before we kind of try and now see where your paths crossed and, and the glt book club came up could you just talk uh, let the listeners know a little bit about the trust itself so it's the greenshaw learning trust and this is the the, the trust which is a multi-academy trust in bristol and gloucester is that right Oh, we have schools. So I please my sincerest apologies for my geography. It's not that good. We have schools. <laughs> I, I say all over the place, but I think the most northern we go is sort of um, Gloucestershire, Bristol, really. It, it, it's that part of the country at the moment. We've got schools in Croydon, um, Surrey, oh. Sutton, um, as well as um, Bracknell. And then we've got some schools in Gloucestershire, um, South Gloucestershire, Bristol. And then we've also got some schools down in Plymouth as well. So we've got almost three regions and that's secondary schools. We also have primary. Um, I think it's something like 23 schools at the moment for primary and secondary. Um, So it's, it's, it's really fantastic. And I think one of the things that we've got is... Um, we have our own schools and they all have their own personalities and their contexts, but we also have a shared services, which is where we try and do a lot of what we can um, centrally to support some sort of systems and structures with schools, um, finance, HR, um, all of those aspects and a school improvement team. And I'm part of the school improvement team working with incredible people like Sean Delahoy um, Joe Ambrose, we've got Sophie Bowers for MFL, um, Dean Ackland, Sarah Vardy, um, and uh, who, uh, and we've also got Robin um, Seward, who's just joined us, and sorry, Seward, and so she's a school uh, senior school improvement lead as well. So that aspect 
is is growing in what we do and it's through part of my cross-school work that I actually sort of linked up with Dave because we don't just sit separately to what happens in schools although the larger we get the the less time we get in individual schools because we're working on different um, types of projects but it was um, while I was working in schools and on a cross-school project as well that we really um, started to do quite uh, a lot of work together wasn't it Dave I think a big project we started was um, the online curriculum project so in lockdown when it was the first lockdown we um, because of the nature of having a multi-academy trust we decided for the, well, the majority of our schools went asynchronous lessons pre-recorded mm. so we had a team of specialists from across our schools who were released from a as much as they could be from their normal day-to-day school role to pre-record lessons to then be used across the rest of the trust schools that that, that wanted to do that. And Dave was um, one of the members of staff on the maths team. It was a a brilliant team of people who were working together. And um, so, and and that was fab. And we got to work virtually, got to work Mm. for something right at the beginning. And that's also available on our website. We now have over 4,800 lessons freely available uh-huh. nobody needs to log in um that anybody can use at at wow. any time so i just thought it was that's the kind of trust yes that we work for we just try and i think our the way we think of it now will smith says um the green Shore learning trust is always learning mm. that's it we are just always learning it's your middle name yeah, literally. <laughs> learning is your middle name literally yeah fantastic yeah. Uh, and and yeah i mean uh, we'll obviously put the links uh to, to those resources in in the show notes below um but so we'll go back to what you said about the recognition that every school is different and it has its own context and environments that's that's absolutely uh right isn't it absolutely right you know um everything works somewhere and something works nowhere or whatever <laughs> whatever that phrase is isn't it you know knowing knowing it's just in your job i can't imagine being kind of kind of uh divided into all those places must be uh yeah like you said no two no two days no two days are different um great so so then so the coming together then so the the the, the was this also during lockdown then when the the book club idea came about because that's also interesting to think that during lockdown you think okay well we're locked down but we still need to drive improvement so dave what, can you lead us into how the club sort of came about how it evolved yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's something where um, Rhiannon had this this idea um, that she'd got through um, some work that she'd been doing with um, some assistant head teachers, and and I'd be able to talk more about that. Um, and um, and was really keen on this idea of a book club. Um, this idea of being able to to still progress our own um, professional development through lockdown when we weren't able to be in the classroom, practice our, our trade, practice our skills, and. Um, and separately to that, so independently, I was um, sat at home thinking, well, I want to make a difference. And the Greenshaw Learning Trust, in, in my humble view, had been so incredibly proactive and so efficient and organised in um, providing um, a, a student provision of the quality that they did um, and, and the lessons that the talks about. I felt that that was sort of almost covered. Um, and I wanted to think more about then, well, what could we do for the staff? And so, so I had this vision and this idea of setting up a series of CPD sessions for, for maths teachers. And so we'd follow the Craig Barton um, 
books and uh, and I would um, look at the his website and resources and um, and I would try to sort of interpret um, his his ideas from from his resources um, and, and make them fit our our teachers and, and really sort of knowing our staff and our, our communities and our schools. Um, I, I made a program of seven sessions um, alongside uh, resupport, um, and uh, and it was just something where where we sort of our relationship then grew um, in in the profession with um, we sort of how how we started to then think well we've got this resource that's working for uh, maths teachers what can we do for our um, initial teachers or inexperienced teachers and, and we had Ed Watson in our um, trust at the time who was um who'd written a book about top tips for new teachers and so we incorporated this and, and we asked if he would mind um recording some some short segments to, to support those teachers and we made some um some sort of um malleable slides that, that staff could use with their inexperienced teachers too um and then it grew into well we've got this book club idea as well and we started to produce this and they all sort of felt to me on a path for, for a period of time and and then um, there was this so a moment where we were working together, we were having these meetings and the book club was where we got to meet. The book club was where we got to talk. And, mm. and the book club, I think, um, maybe maybe unspoken, but was our favourite. It, it was our one that we, we, our baby. It's the one that we just really enjoyed. And, and we ha- we'd have sort of five, six, seven people coming each time to, to discuss these books. And um, and it was just such a wonderful hour. And it was, um, it was one of those where, where maybe you've had a day and it's been a, been a rough day and, and, and maybe it hasn't quite gone as you want. And it just enriches you um, in, in a professional sense. It just um, uplifts you at the end of the day to talk about the the um, the topic of teaching and pedagogy and mathematics and, and that, that be it. There's no barriers. There's no right or wrong. And, and we could just share together in this sort of safe environment. And and just like the, the Greenshaw Learning Trust, um, working with Ria just really felt like you're working with someone where you couldn't make a mistake. And, and that meant that you could try things and, and it might not work, but you could try things. So um, there was an evening when we decided we'd just um, sort of, you know, um, try and put a sketch note together. And there was an evening where we we sort of looked at what we'd um, put together and thought, well, we don't like this. We do like this. Let's change it. Let's make it a little bit more that um, everybody has a, has a takeaway at the end of our sessions. And then we had Peter Matter get in touch with us um, and said, would you like me to come to one of your sessions? And and we were just feeling sort of braver and braver about this this vehicle that had, that had just grown, and and so we got in contact with other authors and and just found how generous the community was. But through all of this, our relationship just grew, and and yeah, we just um, we just found that we were we we really did have something where where we understood each other's roles, we understood how each other worked, and and we were both really sort of tenacious and, and wanted this to work, and so so we managed to make it work. That's absolutely lovely. I don't think you could. Uh articulate that any uh any more passionately i think there dave it's really did seem to be a coming uh, a coming together and and uh, to follow up on your point about the 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 idea that that sitting around a table um talking about pedagogy is enriching and it is it's 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 invigorating and and i've i've definitely this year been in this position in term one where i've been sat around a for a small group of uh, of staff members who have done this little embarked upon this little pro- project of personal kaizen as it were and 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 we, we had a week where we had two parents evening in one week and a meeting on another day and this was the the fourth day i think of that week uh and we all didn't we were all absolutely shattered but 
we all had committed, you know, a month before that we're going to meet once a month. And we met. And as you said, we came out of it just sort of galvanized and just enjoying. And it, it just it almost takes away all of the the white noise around teaching, doesn't it? And it gets down to the brass tacks. It gets down to the this is why we do what we do. And this is this is why we want to continue to get better, because we see that through focusing on self-improvement and being that one percent better every year. It just makes our job just 10 times more enjoyable, doesn't it? Self self improvement and making connections because I think mm. one of the, one of the things just to um, build on a little from add to um, what what Dave was saying there was we didn't physically um, see each other in three D from before lockdown one to research Ed when we presented in person for the first time in September wow. this year. So all of this we were able to do remotely. And I think that's one of the other aspects of it is that absolutely felt enriched professionally, but also personally because of the connections we were able to make with people. There are so many people that we've only just started meeting in 3D that after just saying hello, we feel like we've known them for such a long period of time because of the amount of times we've engaged in different ways with one another, be that on Twitter, in messages, um, or in a Zoom chat, or in emails, or uh, in, a, in a book club session around that table. And I think it's fantastic because when you're in a school, in an office, you're in a department, you've got the people around the table you're talking to in your teams, but we've got different groups of people we could connect with now as well. Mm. So if you want to discuss pedagogy, you can reach out wider to other yes. like-minded people, but also a wider diversity of people and ideas and thoughts and reflections than you might have normally come across on a day-to-day basis. So it's it. there are so many other aspects of what it's able to do as well and, and the benefits of it being um, um, uh, on a virtual platform. Absolutely. And I think that that's one thing that we perhaps maybe uh, haven't, done so much in the past and it's perhaps maybe it's taken lockdown for for this to this to happen but you know we talk about how technology can support and and enhance learning experiences for students in the classroom but since pre-lockdown I mean I'm not sure I remember the research at home series for example you know that was hours and hours of you know of fantastic quality CPD um, which I don't think maybe existed to an extent before but not so much in the volume now uh, as it does and also that kind of exactly as you said that that connectivity and and as a as a, a proud member of the learning uh Greenshaw learning trust uh, book club myself uh, I, it's been amazing to to connect with you guys it's been amazing to to hear uh, opinions and thoughts of other people and also um uh, meet and have to have the chance to ask questions to people i i, I very much fanboy over uh <laughs> from, from my uh, my office here um so so listen we that's, that's a super introduction i think and i think that we've really got a, a, a nice idea now of of where the club has come from um and the and the and the ideas surrounding what it came about we're going to pause for a quick uh news break and then we'll come back and we will get into the nuts and bolts really of how you know uh, if we were a fly on a wall in the uh the uh the the book club what we would experience uh, before we did that before we do that though uh, i'd like to just say to anyone who's tuning in now live um, is just to kind of think about uh, if you were planning on starting your own 
uh, book club yourself, what sort of things would you want to know? And if you come up with any sort of questions and stuff, just uh, text into the show and we'll see if we can come back to some of those towards the end. So Gail, with the news, please. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Scotland, Tory MSP Graham Simpson is calling for the government to guarantee exams will go ahead as planned, following the Scottish Education Secretary's statement on Sunday that the very latest that the decision can be made is the end of March. Mr Simpson said, The SNP must assure every pupil in Lanarkshire that they will be able to sit their exams this year as planned. Another year of exam chaos is unthinkable given the uncertainty pupils have endured over the last couple of years. Our young people, teachers and parents in Lanarkshire cannot be left in the dark until the end of March. That is far too late to make a decision. East Kilbride MSP Colette Stevenson said, The government have stated the intention is for National 5 higher and advanced higher exams to take place in the spring. These plans will only change if there is significant disruption across the country and exams will only be cancelled if public health advice says they can't go ahead. Experts in Nigeria are predicting a bleak future for education in 2022. Despite the government allocating more money to education this year, they believe that strike action threatened by the Academic Staff Union of Universities, persistent banditry within Nigeria and poor funding suggest a bleak future for education. According to Richard Ez, an education consultant, One of the greatest challenges facing education in Nigeria is inadequate funding at all levels of governance. No government in Nigeria has been able to meet the 20% UNICEF recommendation to be allocated to education. Some experts attribute the problem of banditry to inadequate funding of education and think the government need to rethink education funding to provide a way out of impending disaster. In Uganda, the government has ended the world's longest school closure. 15 million pupils have not attended school in Uganda since March 2020, when classrooms were closed as COVID-19 swept the world. The Education Minister has said that all students will automatically resume classes a year above where they left off. Child rights groups have criticised Uganda's decision to keep schools closed for 83 weeks longer than the rest of the world. However, Ugandans have been slow to get jabbed. According to the National Planning Authority, up to 30% of students are not expected to return to school as a result of teen pregnancy, early marriage and child labour. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome back to Teachers Talk Radio. Uh, this is the Friday morning break. I'm Dorian Brown and I am joined by Rhiannon and Dave from the Greenshaw Learning Trust Book Club. Uh, and in the first section of the show there, we talked about where Rhiannon and Dave had come from uh, and the series of events that came together for the creation of the Greenshaw Learning Trust Book Club. Uh, and it actually turned out that uh, lockdown was the, the, the thing really that kind of got got the club going in the way that in its current guise. Um, I spoke to people, I've spoken to people before the break as well, saying that, you know, if you're thinking of getting a book club going yourself, this could be, you know, in person, hopefully now at your school. Um, but one of the real benefits of having them, this, this online network is that, yes, there is a lot more people that you can kind of share your, your thoughts, experiences and questions with as well. So it's absolutely fabulous. And, and what we're going to give you now is we're going to give you a little walkthrough, if you like, uh, uh, or a little peek behind the curtain of how it all works at the Greenshaw Learning Trust uh, Book Club. We must, I must shorten that because that's a bit of a mouthful every time I'm saying that. The GLT Book Club, there you go. <laughs> so, um, Rhiannon and Dave, could you let us know, uh, firstly, if, if I was to come along, uh, if, if our listeners were to come along to, to one of the book clubs, what is the format and how does it all work? Um, I think, so I was trying to find a way of describing it. And I think it was um, Joe Ambrose who helped when he said, it's it's a long form discussion style. Um, and I just wanted to open up with that side of it, if, if that's okay, because mm. we don't put questions to guests beforehand. We don't script anything. It's an organic discussion and conversation that is, based around what is said, what is reflected on, um, and the questions that are asked for the people who are in the room at the time. Um, and that's, so there's nothing preconceived and pre-planned. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't lay the table and we don't help to bring people to the table and we don't provide different prompts, we do. But the actual direction it goes in and the discussions that are held, um, are, are led by those in the room. That way we do get the things that are genuine and greater diversity of thinking because, you know, I'm very, we're very much novices. We will both say that. We're, we're still very early on in Austin's butterfly, which is what <laughs> Dave has a much better way of describing how we utilise that analogy than I do. But we are so much, we're so very early on in that. And it's from the other people in the room that we learn. And that's why we try and bring people in as much as possible. So uh, in a little while, we probably will ask you what it's like to do a takeaway for one of our sessions as, as, as a member. And we can, we can bring that in too. So it's a long-form discussion. It's not scripted. Um, and it's, it is just fantastic um, privilege to be able to be a part of and see how our members have grown in confidence. So, um, Dave, I just wanted to open up with that. So if you wanted to talk a little bit more now about the actual um how how the session runs from beginning to end that that might help if that's okay 
That sounds great. Um, and I love the Austin's butterfly analogy. Um, so, Dorian, it would be our apologies in advance, as, um, as we said before. Uh, this is our first time of being on radio for, for an hour since. Um, so it's by definition our worst ever performance. Uh, because you <laughs> and always best, get and best as well. And, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I love that analogy. But, um, but I think what, what with that um, sort of setup that Reese talked about for me, it's um, the people that we meet through that discussion, both authors and everybody in the audience. Um, as you said before, everybody's had their own journey and therefore everybody has got something unique to offer in their experience. So, so there's, there's going to be something that you can learn from every single member in that room. And so we want to keep it um, so that the discussion is relevant to the people that are having that discussion because that's how we're going to learn the most. And as we said, we'll have our prompt set because we will want to be focused on something specific. We will take a small extract. We won't take the whole book. We'll just take maybe four or five pages. So it might be a summary, a chapter um, that we look at together. Um, so we don't just want to sort of digress and have uh, wild conversations that aren't, aren't going to be really sort of useful for us in our classroom practice. But at the same time, we want to really sort of um, dig deeper on the experiences that people have had. And and so, so there will be um, that flexibility through um, what we describe as, as our organic discussion. And, um, and so once we um, sort of have shared that extract and people have had a chance to read it, what we will do is we will invite um, the author um, to, to talk about why they've written the book. Um, before we do that, I will introduce why we chose the book and the extract. Um, and then, then we'll engage in that discussion. Um, and, and it can go, as we said, in any direction, but we will be in the audience ourselves to ask particular questions I might just bring it back into into the realms of what we want to discuss if, if that's needed um but, but very rarely it is so many so many rich suggestions from our audience that um that many times we've had the author saying oh that's really got me thinking or uh, we've had authors um describe so so Laker for example um I think started writing something off the back of a discussion that we we had and um we've had a, a couple of blogs from Kat Howard and Zoe and Mark Enzo that have sort of mentioned how how it's maybe shaped their work or um supported in in what they've been thinking about and and so we sort of feel really privileged to have supported the other way as well maybe giving feedback to the authors about what their books might look mm. like. Um, but once we've had that discussion, we will then invite a, a member of our audience and, and we will invite them to pre-session um, um, so that it's, it's nice and organised. I think that's a key feature of what we're, we're doing here is it, it needs to be sort of tight and organised within that um, sort of that discussion format. Um, and, uh, and so we'll invite them in um, to, to make that key takeaway. And and at the end of that, um, we will we will share all our recordings. We'll uh, we'll ask somebody to put it into a sketch note, and and it just feels um, it feels like then there's this completeness where um, we can then look at that takeaway and and try one thing in our classroom, and and that for us is a really important feature as well. That that small action step um, for our leveraged leadership idea. Um, that if we, we try and, and Doug Lemos said, if you try and catch five rabbits, um, you'll catch none. It's that idea of just being really targeted. With what we want to do in the classroom and, and I think that the key takeaway that's offered each time really does that for us and I'm, I don't think I've had one where I've listened to it and thought you know I, I, maybe I don't agree with that or, or yeah no I already knew that I've always really sort of reflected on what's been said at the end of that session and thought yeah that really does make sense and you can see the authors quite often as well thinking oh I, yeah I really like that I've never thought of my book or my extract in that way or or that's something that, that I'm reflecting on as well and it, it's just um yeah it's a lovely sort of organic feel to it all. Yeah, beautiful, and, and yeah, and and having 
been been party to to many of them myself it is that that i, I love that like like you said really the long form discussion style um and um yeah that peek behind the curtain about there not being any questions in in play do you find that makes it more difficult to uh, i mean um what's the uh, does, is it difficult to uh to, to to roll with it i guess you learn over time isn't it you know when 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 you have things that kind of send you off course a little bit but but then that's a natural route because there isn't a planned course so do you find it i guess the question is yeah do you find it difficult to manage uh you know you've, you've gotten the author there who's, who, who's talking maybe you have lots of questions from various different areas maybe you have not many questions how do you kind of keep the is that the skill that you're learning developing over time really that you're just kind of keeping the, the ball bouncing or? We're, we're learning and developing that all the time mm, <laughs> so, mm. <laughs> and I can't say we always get the balance right but I think one of the things that one of the things we know about working in education um, is that you can have your overall lesson plan or your CPD plan and you can have a, a loose idea of what it is you want to do but when it comes to the nuts and bolts and the, the, the live um, action as it was during the actual session or along the entire program, that opportunity to be responsive is yes. one of the most powerful aspects. Yes. So whilst it was absolutely petrifying, and I will say this now, going into <laughs> our first session with Mark McCourt, where we were cutting our teeth <laughs> for our first live session with a guest author, no pre-planned questions, knowing that it was that organic long-form discussion we wanted to try and somehow harness and work with, but then also having limited control and um, like a, that tick list that helps you feel confident. We didn't have that either, but it's something we were both very passionate about hoping to try and harness in some way and you know we haven't got it right all the time I'm not saying it's the best way to do it it's just the way that works for us because it's those powerful conversations that we're not as dated we're not going in completely blind here we are the the more you do the more you see and and you know this powerful knowledge as part of what we're doing as well and those threads we're able to draw upon mm. um but I think that's what helps then the experience of the people in the room? And one of the aspects we found was at one point, the rooms were getting larger, around about 50 people. Um, last, in around about March, I think it was, Michael Childs was around about 50 people. And it started feeling too big for some of our members. They felt like the feedback I've had since was they didn't feel like they had a voice at that time. It was too much to have a seat at the table. They felt like they were in some sort of conference room instead. So yeah. the numbers have gotten smaller now people are back at work. And that's actually really, really helpful because those people who are in there get the feeling almost like we are sat around a table together rather than just being in a conference room. So if you are in a room with somebody, you want to be able to engage with them. Mm. So when we had Kate Jones, it very quick, it, hers was a slightly different format. Some of them have been in the sense that it was absolutely cracking and it turned into this diagnostic surgery for people. Kate, what can I do to help with my retrieval quizzes or my class with this? And so we always say that CPD is most powerful when we have the expert in the room. What we're able to do for the members that are able to join us live for that session is 
they can engage mm. in a way that's most powerful with for them with the expert in the room at the time. And if we'd have had a preconceived plan in the sense of much more control and sort of dealing with it at a micro level with Kate Jones, our members wouldn't have had that fantastic opportunity. So it is very scary, Dorian. I was petrified <laughs> going into Mark McCourt's session because yeah. he is enough In at the deep amazing. end again, isn't it, with you? <laughs> in at the deep end. <laughs> the big chief. <laughs> it was, uh, I hope I haven't spoken out, out of turn there, Dave. It's something we were just really passionate about, the power behind that opportunity. And then people that feel, our members feel like they have agency yeah. and they have uh, involvement and they're on the journey with us. And there's that authenticity as well. And I like that, what you said about it being, you know, the the, the authors themselves, I mean, rarely do they, um, apart from perhaps maybe Amazon stars and written reviews, where rarely do they actually get that kind of, that opportunity almost to hear um, personalized feedback, I guess, again, uh, from their work and 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 be challenged almost and, and, and be kind of, you know, asked some kind of quite kind of, um, you know, and that says a lot, I think about the authors also, um, willing, willing enough to, to to come on the shows as well, doesn't it? The fact that they're kind of open to to questioning, which um, yeah, maybe something that they've not really thought of before. Which and I, and I love the way um, that Lakesh Sharma uh, has you know taken on the experience of being a, being a guest on the show, and then you know using that to actually kind of write more and reflect more of them and blogs and everything it's so it's it, it's nice that you give you're giving back to the author community as well <laughs> um i just to finish that little bit as well i love the, the whole thing as dave was saying how it is all packaged up in this lovely little every episode is a lovely little box you know it has got the the, the pre share of the chapter and I, again i uh, I love that idea that it's just a chapter or a section or something which you're which you're dipping into because i think some people when they hear book club, they think that they have to read a whole book um, and, and for them to be able to engage in it. But, you know, I'll, I'll put my hand up and say for a couple of the sessions I, I, I skimmed, you know, I skimmed, but I still got an awful lot out of the, uh, out of the sessions and, and, and asked more, asked a couple of questions, which perhaps maybe weren't on the, on the, on the chapters that we were looking at, but you know, the, the fact that you can kind of go away with it, you know, you can engage in the live session and you get it all packaged up nicely with a lovely little bow, little Christmas present under the tree, if you will, um, with, with with the takeaway, uh, the sketch notes, the the podcast. The, you know, you can rewatch it as well. I mean, you're opening yourself to to not just the people that are there live, but also a much much bigger audience. And they, I'm sure, if you've got the download statistics or whatever, you you probably still see that you know days and maybe weeks after, you're still getting many people um, tapping into those resources. That's fantastic. And, and thank you for raising that about the it being a section of the book. Mm. So I think um, as teachers, we are very time poor and we have to be really efficient with our time. And it's that cost benefit analysis all the time, isn't it? With mm. We're very busy people. There are lots of things we need to do. And I'm being told all the time that reading books is going to help me improve. How am I going to find the time to do that? Well, um, so what we do is Dave will select a section of the book. So it, we, we, we do split our roles because then it, it just makes it more effective. So very often it is Dave that selects the section of the book we're going to focus on um, because of that thread that we've got that we're weaving through all of the different sessions. So instead of looking at one book intensely, which a number of book clubs do, and that's one book that they look at for the entire year, we try and dip in and out of and have that exposure to different 
uh, different ways of thinking behind something, different approaches to something, but have that slight thread through different things as well across the year. And a lot of it recently has been about um, that whole idea of novice to expert, that continuum and what we can learn from that. Um, so Dave does an absolute brilliant job with that. Um, and he's much more confident about reading academic literature than I am. So I come at it from a different angle and I come at it from, OK, let's let's look at how we can break these barriers down for anybody to be able to access it. So it's not the whole book. It's a section. So we've broken it down into that. And then people who are interested can read more about it. But some people are even time more time poor than that. So I will put together some session support links, which will have on it a podcast that you can listen to in the car to help to give you some ideas or a couple yes. of blogs or the website for for the guest that we've got who's going to be joining us and we've got some question prompts as well from when we had um, a, a book club that were written by that was written by Kate Rimmel she's the executive assistant for Ben Parnell and um, Laura Costello who's who are our two primary and secondary directors for GLT. Um, Kate put together question prompts for a book club we had a little while ago at five acres and that's what we've got on there as well so there's all sorts of different layers at which people can access it but as mm. you said dorian sometimes all you've got time to do is skim it and actually sometimes we've got people who've joined us as a member four minutes before a session has started joined that session and then engaged and asked absolutely fantastic questions in the same way as well so it means that people have that choice and have that control over how much time they are able to put into something without that fear of there being an expectation of them at the same time. And some yeah. sessions will be more interesting to them than others. So that's what we try and do. And sharing the podcast afterwards as quickly as we can. So it is literally an audio version of it because we don't we think that it's easier for people to have it more quickly than mm. edit it down and, and package it up fancy and we've got Mary Myatt to to thank for helping us be braver with that and then it takes a little bit longer for the processing for the actual video recording to go out there but that's all done as well and it just and the takeaway from people like Karen Hancock and Charlotte Hawthorne and Deepika Narula and and others they've done those for us um sort of the sketch notes and slide notes so there's that one page overview for people mm, who want to mm. have a look at or have a different resource as well so we're just trying to break down as many possible barriers as we can think of to help to support staff who teachers work so hard let's just try and help them as as much as we can in as many ways as possible and it's a many hands make light work in that regard isn't it you're getting everybody getting inputs from everybody getting questions from from everybody and contributions and that's what i think is the is the beauty of the club that it, i i i you know not taking anything absolutely not taking anything away from the two of you at all in terms of the amount of effort that it does to the the pre and the during and the after but like you said it's 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 the it's the contributors it's the people it's the authors it's the it's the question makers etc that kind of you know, um, I guess keep you keep you going, right? Keep you wanting to kind of keep it going because you're starting. You are seeing, you know, the tangible um, benefits and outcomes of of of, of the club itself. Um, and so, when when if I can sort of bounce to you then, Dave, about the 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 choice, uh, Rhiannon kind of said that that's your kind of that's your that's outsourced to you. Um, <laughs> so, which order do you do this in? Do you approach the author first and then? 
once once you get a green light then you look at a section or do you take it you know how do how do you go about threading you know getting this thread throughout the year and i'll be very honest with you at the very beginning when we realized that authors were would be potentially willing to join us it was uh, so exciting that we found oh this author's going to join us and we want to talk about the book and we're going to learn loads from this and so uh, we were just really excited for our first sessions to have experts in the room uh, after about four or five sessions um, and we started to to put this together we started to um, after a conversation with Mary Meyer as we said we started to think about the diversity of what we were offering and started to think about that breadth um, and it was the first couple of sessions and, and there's one session that really particularly stands out to me, um, which is David Dydow's session about novice to expert, that, that really made me think about, well, this underpins um, good quality teaching. Um, and it's something which we sort of knew, but, but maybe didn't understand understand to the depth of what David was talking about. And, and I just thought, well, this, this has got to be something that we share and we look at how this links to other literature. And, and so, so then it'll be a matter of sort of shopping around and, and looking at um, sort of what books might complement um, this work but also what books um, may um, sort of contradict a little bit of that as well because yes. there are different ideas in teaching and we all we all teach um, with our own personal experiences that, that form and mould our own beliefs and, and morals and and I think that's really important to um, to make sure that there's a breadth there. And that's one thing that we're really conscious about at the moment. We've been talking about um, the diversity of the uh, literature that we offer. Um, we're, we're going to have blind spots, therefore we're not going to know those. And, and so there, there is going to be an unconscious bias in some of the literature we choose. And, um, and that golden thread that comes through, um, it's really good to... Uh, maybe be thinking about um, mathematical beauty. Therefore, you're going to have a session about um, storytelling within mathematics that we're looking to have next term, um, potentially. And, and then you have the, the the novice to expert. And so you, you have that sort of link through and you might look at um, the practice with Doug Lemoff that might connect with how you practice differently with novices to experts. And you'd have that thread going through. And, um, and then you'd have the thread with um, Michael Charles and, and Harry Fletcher were talking about how you might use diagnostic questions and when you might mark and um, but at the same time we're, we're really conscious about the, the our blind spots as well and so so we're very open to sort of feedback and, and wanting to make sure we're catering for the people that are, that are listening and, and tuning in and, and joining us um, for those sessions. Um, one thing to, to build on with what Reese said just very quickly with the, um, the, the Mark McCall session um, I'm not being boastful when I say I wasn't as nervous. However, um, I was, I, I think I went in sort of A, quite naively, but also um, these sessions, I, I really do see myself as, as just a learner. I'm not, I'm not like the, uh, the, I'm not an expert in the room. And so, so there's nothing I can lose really. Um, if it comes to an awkward question where, where we're having a conversation, I don't need the answer. I'm really proud to go, Oh, I don't know. Tell me more. And so there's a really easy default conversation to have there. And so, yes. so I feel really safe in those conversations because the generosity of the experts coming to the room first of all and talk to us, but also um, that I don't have to know all the answers. Um, You've got an easy escape if you need to. Know any answers? <laughs> yes. Well, exactly. Exactly. Or I could just pretend to freeze on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> We've all done it. Uh, no, yeah. Well, that, that actually links quite close to a question I, I had, at the, I think, during the first section, actually, which I'll return to now because you kind of touched on it. Um, the, the book club originally started off as a maths book club, if I'm not right. You just started the first kind of number, and there are still obviously um, uh, maths-specific sessions. Um, so you kind of just said that, you know, when you're – when you were with uh, Mark, for example, that you he was the expert and you felt like the novice, but 
you know, as, as a, as a maths teacher, you, you, you are a expert in your field. And I just wonder how different you both are um, because I've not, uh, I don't think I've taken the plunge and, and visited one of your maths sessions. I don't think I did. I, I might have briefly, I can't, can't remember. Um, but uh, how, how different, uh, what's the difference between you being experts in, 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 in the subject and then versus being, I'm not saying that you're novices in pedagogy, absolutely not, but, but you know, that, that more openness, I guess, that comes where there's a lot more nuance, I suppose, in pedagogy compared to, compared to kind of maths. Is it, I don't know if you can de de deconstruct that question there. Yeah, I'm trying to get I, at I think, um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm thinking of the Lake, Lake of Sharma, um, for example, um, and KSCD as well was primary phase based. And, and we're both secondary teachers, although he has an experience uh, in primary. I, I have absolutely none. And, and so, so it was a, a lot of the session was about me talking with my secondary hat on and, and looking at what's the same, what's different. So within a math session, that's, I think that's quite a good way of um, talking, gaining a deeper understanding of something, comparing and contrasting. And, and so a lot of my questions may have been geared that way or there may be a little bit more planning that goes into what questions are going to be useful for primary face teachers in that but again um the the conversation sort of takes off as well and so so you have that um not luxury but you have that sort of um that direction of um of the, the primary face teachers would then take that in and and you sort of go along with it and you learn more and you go oh i'm interested in that. can you tell me more and and i think um i think that structure um works works really nicely for those sessions but we did start the book club before we had um, authors joining us, where we'd have a mathematical session um, and we'd have a pedagogical session. So the original design at the very beginning was to have a pedagogical session where our very first session we looked to Daniel William. Um, and then um, we sort of considered um, the idea of memory. Um, and then um, from there, we would look at someone like Craig Barson or Joe Morgan. I think it was Joe Morgan's one we looked at first, where we then consider um, how some of those ideas might look in our subject and that was that was the model that we would use so we we might have um a book from doug lemoff about practice and then we'd have a book um from craig barson about how you do deliberate practice and, and we would look to link those so it's a very sort of more formal link at the very beginning before we started sort of looking for that that, that breadth of um of you know, uh, books to to look at I, I i'll say if it's okay that when it comes to a math specific section where there's that I feel that preconceived, it's my feeling, I put that upon myself, that people would expect me to be the expert in the room. That's when I'm most yes. nervous. Yes, same. Because same. I feel like I'm expected to wow, know yeah. those answers. And I really don't. Mm. I really, really don't. And it's the more of these sessions I do, the further away I feel I am from that, you know, that, that label of expert. Like the Dunning-Kruger um, effect almost, right? It, absolutely. And I am <laughs> yeah, experiencing yeah. that all wow. the time. So whilst Dave says, went into Mark McCourt's thinking, what can we lose? Because we were <laughs> so new to it. Okay. Mm. <laughs> and sometimes it's, it is the math specific ones that I do get most nervous most nervous about actually because I feel there's that expectation that I already know the answers and I really don't. <laughs> wow. That's phenomenal to think about, actually. I, I agree ever, with that. Yeah, I hadn't, hadn't ever thought about it that way around at all, really. And maybe I might have to start coming to a few math sessions now. I might feel less... Uh... <laughs> well, what, we, what we found is, from, our, from selfishly from our point of view, is we gain so much from learning from other subjects and mm. other phases. 
And our math specialist members very early on said, actually, it's the other guests that they listen to as well, that they really, um, not that the math specific ones don't, they, but they have a, they play a different game in a sense that if we think about mathematicians Venn diagrams or thinking of our boundaries so if we just work with our math specialists in mm. that in that team of people around that table then we'll learn from one another about maths mm -hmm. but if we really press out to the boundaries and start sort of blurring the lines between us and people on other tables and having conversations there on areas where we thought actually there might not be no overlap at all. We'll find common ground or we'll also find grounds upon which we are very different, but we could learn so much from each other on. And that's where we start to make progress. That's where we really yes. start to develop. And that's where we get out of that possible echo chamber or silo that it's very easy for us to go into however you decide to compartmentalize what it is you're looking at or what it is you're doing so it is from working with others and learning from others and hearing from diversity in all sorts of different ways of slicing it yes that i think we really get to um get to to progress and learn and and and, and push those boundaries and that and that Tesla is very nice with them. Um, it's Kolb's experiential learning cycle, isn't it? And I think uh, for for my uh, our, our little small group of Kaizen uh, teachers, uh, we are from different departments, and and so we use the uh, the walkthroughs uh, adapt model. So we we did we did the theory in our Kaizen session. So something like Lamov's cold calling, for example. Then we go away and we try to uh, we practice it and we adapt it. And you know I've got. A maths a couple of math teachers in in the group dt teacher english teacher history teacher me geography and then we feed back you know we, we come back a month later and say what we've tried uh, how it worked and and there are absolute differences between how each technique uh can be successfully applied and adapted to each of the each of the subjects but you also you also pick up different ways of you doing it as well which yes it's that and that continuous cycle of you of you sort of feeding back how you've tried it and then and then reflecting on that and then going back into that adapt cycle again so yeah having the like you said pressing i like that pressing the boundaries and trying to find out you know that we all are fundamentally teachers aren't we um and you know some subjects we're going to have a lot more in common with than others um but the yeah. the, the bones are the same right and I can't take credit for that, I'm afraid. It was at um, a meeting just before half term, um, an online meeting for shared services. And Will Smith was talking to everybody about that very aspect of, mm. you know, looking at working at the very boundary of what we're doing and other people are doing and how we can learn from one another. So if those are the kinds of people we're working with and we're hearing from and we're, we're, we're talking mm. to about things, it's just really helpful then to support yes. us in to, to push and, and try and get everything we can um, and, and from opportunities and, and strive to keep learning and, and not take things as criticism, but as ad advice, guidance and support and feedback, genuine feedback to help us to develop. That's great. And, and I think um, sort of going going exactly with what you've just said there, that I, I don't know whether what your previous experience of this is before, but there have been countless amount of times uh, in schools that I've worked in where there have been attempts to, to work on cross curricular projects, you know, trying to kind of overlap subject over subject. And can you do 
maths in this and this. And, it, and ultimately it, it doesn't really have any legs. Uh, and, and instead what we should perhaps be looking at how teaching happens in each of these and then see where that commonality is um, in techniques. So should we be learning about the, the, the pedagogy, not really trying to shoehorn a subject into another subject as it were. And, and this is again, where the, 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 the book club and, and, and just, sat around a table having a chat about pedagogy it's where these where we get to these kind of you know moments of clarity and these moments of realization of uh, uh that fundamentally our subject is our subject and and we can borrow from other people and and borrow ideas and, and, uh, and try and um and yeah it's just, it's just just went off on went off on a tangent there but yeah it is it's absolutely fantastic and i i i feel um very very passionately about um you know i feel uncomfortable working around with with people that don't feel that it's their duty to be better than they already are right <laughs> um folks um i've just glanced at the time and i can't believe it we have where has that time gone um if you're okay i've just got one maybe two more questions just to squeeze in before we end the show there. Um, but uh, just before we do so, we need to just pop out for a quick ad break. So we'll be back in two. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk. Teachers Talk Radio is delighted to support Winston's Wish, the UK's childhood bereavement charity. Winston's Wish supports children and their families after the death of a parent or sibling. They provide emotional and practical bereavement support. Expert teams also provide online resources, specialist publications and training for professionals. Find out more about Winston's Wish and pledge your support at www.winstonswish.org. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown. Welcome back. Here we are in our final section uh, of the Friday Morning Break on Teachers Talk Radio. Dorian Brown here, joined by Rhiannon Rainbow and Dave Tushingham. Uh, we have had a fantastic discussion so far and the time has definitely run away with us and uh, we were just saying we could definitely um, talk for hours and hours but unfortunately uh, Charlie's on a little bit later and I think uh, he will uh, not be too happy if we're eating into his time so we are going to wrap up now um, but I just wanted to just leave uh, the uh, listeners with a couple of um, takeaways uh, from uh, Dave and Rhiannon uh, on the running of their book club and the first one which i'm going to let you fight over who answers this one first whoever's the fastest finger first uh how have you grown professionally as a result of organizing and hosting these shows right let me follow my buzzer um so uh, so, <laughs> so um i think it's not this is not a good answer for radio but it's, it's knowledge i've got one word um that that's it it's 
So it's basically when I am in the classroom, I'm talking with members of staff, maybe I'm, I'm mentoring, maybe I'm, I'm leading um, the department, maybe I'm, whatever it is I'm doing within the profession. When I have read so many books and talked to so many experts, the, the knowledge that I have that is now um, automatic to me or, or sort of, you know, almost automatic um, is, is incredible compared to where I was 12 months ago. And so the conversations that I have in terms of that support, um, there, there isn't that sort of deep planning that goes on, but I, I'm able to, to say, oh, have you thought about this? Or, oh, I, I've read this um, works in that situation. Or um, I, I don't think this is going to be the way to do it because, um, and I'm able to put evidence behind it and I'm able to, um, support sequencing um, of the um, action steps that, that people are working on. I'm able to um, talk with um, members of staff about um, looking at one small itemised skill and, and improving that before they move on. All of those conversations that we can have, I'm able to talk about a diagnostic question and, and why that might be the best thing to use in the middle of a lesson now, uh, the difference between an example and modelling, all these sorts of different um, sort of things that could come up for teachers um, has become sort of rather automatic. Um, and also, I guess, um, in a really humble way, there's, I've also really appreciated and understand how much I really don't know, um, because um, maybe 12 months ago, I would think that um, as a lead practitioner, I feel comfortable that I can teach my subjects. And, and now mm. 12 months down the line, I really realize that I don't know how to teach my subject to a depth that I want to and, and there's so many sort of um yeah sort of red flags that I think maybe that, that I've seen that, that I didn't realize were there before and um and so that's really helped me to develop and, and to realize that that there's so so much more to learn um and and so many more places to explore so so for me that's um sort of the journey for me professionally is that, that yeah I just um yeah realize how much I don't know I guess Brilliant, Dave. Yeah. Can I share with you, just, sorry, Brian, just, just before you, can I just share with you, whilst you were writing that, I wrote down a number of words and I just realised they all begin with C. So I'm just going to read them back to you. So the first one was commitment, you know, the idea of it forces you to make a, a commitment. Then confidence, growing in confidence, and then coaching came to mind in the way that you're now kind of have that knowledge where you're able to probe and answer those questions. Community, um, and then challenge was the little one at the end. I only just noticed that they all began with C, but I thought, there you go. <laughs> Rhiannon, over to you. What's oh, going to be your letter? I love that. <laughs> your letter is Z, Rhiannon. All of your words have to begin with Z. Oh, yeah. I'm sure I've <laughs> for ages, so don't worry about that one. So for me, there are, there are a lot of similarities um, there with what Dave was saying. Um, I think I'm much more comfortable in saying I don't know or I'm not yes. sure or I'll find out. Um, I'm much more comfortable in doing that now and being open about it without fear of people judging me for it. And I don't know if they would have judged me. It's just that feeling I had within myself. Um, and as a, as a person, um, working with somebody like Dave. So if you're going to work together with somebody, you want to work with somebody who you are better together. And you are stronger together and you take those risks and you support each other in that role. And I think what I've got here in, in the way that I work with Dave is we definitely do that to one another because I'm one of those that um, I very much worry about it not being good enough. And I worry a lot about what other people might say. Mm. And I am always striving for, you know, I'm a completer finisher and a people pleaser. And it's a really difficult um combination to have so 
working with Dave and working on the things that we've done, um, we help each other to be 10% braver, even if it is approaching Doug Lemov on Twitter, asking him if he'd like to join our book club because we've had a glass of wine. And then Peter Mattock tweets, punching a bit above your weight, aren't there? Aren't you there? <laughs> but it worked, mm-hmm. right? Because what's the worst that could happen? It's okay. And I think in being open about this and showing others that this is actually an okay way, this is absolutely fine way to be, to be genuine about who we are, that's where we learn the most and we and we get the best out of our out of our colleagues because it's it's not about what we do what we do is brilliant for us but it's about how we help pave the way for other people and and how we can support them to do their own book clubs we've got some of our members have got their own book clubs in their own schools and they've got their own guests coming along to their mats so um we are 10% braver done is better than perfect mm. It is okay. Mary Myatt said to us in our meeting, she said, why aren't you sharing your recordings? I said, because I haven't polished, you know, I haven't gone through and edited them. She said, you don't need to. Share them as they are. They'll be absolutely fine. It's not worth the energy. And she really pushed us to do that. Atul Rana with doing a Maths Chat Live, where I was so worried about streaming something in case it went wrong. He said, don't worry, it'll be fine. We'll do it. And we had Anne Watson and we had her husband, John Mason, and we had so many other amazing panelists. And it was a wonderful experience because we are working with other people who help us to take those risks. Mm. You know, Dave will say to me, he said beforehand, high, high challenge, low threat. And I think that's what I'm able to do with the book club is, is what this has done, these, these conversations with everybody, with the guests, with our members, with anybody that we've had the privilege of talking to is it's not just now these thoughts and ideas in my head. I have a better way of articulating it, I think, anyway, and a more common language with which to talk to others and communicate on it. And I think that's what it enables us to be able to do. So that's yes. that's what I... And you mentioned Pokemon cards earlier. So <laughs> one, of the, one of the other things that Book Club has helped me to do, so when I went around Research Ed and when I do anything, I get the programme and I think... I'm meeting these people in 3D. But every time I meet all of these people who I see as the experts and that we've had as guests, and I'm so humbled that they've been generous enough to give us their time and our members and everybody, every time I meet them, they're a person. And they're so, they're just normal people at the same time. There's there's, there's no need to be intimidated by anything and fearful or worrisome about it and and think that you have to be perfect. We all learn from one another. So that's a big part of what I've learned um, and what, I mean, even, even the other night when um, Danny Quinn came down and sat next to me and, and said and touched my shoulder and she said, oh, would you mind coming up the other end of the table and talking to us later? For me, that was a huge thing because I've heard of her online, I've talked to her online and I got to meet her in person and she knew my name and she wanted to talk to me. So uh, it's it's been so many different types of journeys um, yes. that, that we've been on together. And I think that's one of the most powerful things is I haven't done it alone. The yeah. community is just immense and the partnership I've got with Dave, I, I couldn't have done it without. That's absolutely beautiful. And I, again, I was sort of scribbling throughout all of that because I think that, you just make so many, so many valid points there in the way that, yeah, that idea of that growing, growing more comfortable with being fallible and growing more comfortable with, with and, and, and 
acknowledging vulnerability. Um, and, you know, because there is this, for some reason, this un, unwritten, well, this, this so amount of pressure on, on us to be the best version of ourselves. Um, and in a friendly, welcoming, open book club community, that melts away, right? That melts away. And we're able to have that kind of authenticity and, and, and not be as worried, you know, I mean, even on a day-to-day basis in, in, in teaching, we are also worried about, you know, the, the projector not working or, you know, or if we're putting some slides together to present, you know, you want to make sure that you're not just being, you know, mono, monotonal or, or whatever. You know, there's so many kind of, there's so many things that we're having to deal with on a, on a day-to-day basis internally and externally that, you know, you've, you've created yourself and Dave have really created this environment and this community, which allows people to kind of sort of break down some of those 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 barriers and and yes you you admit to being a a bit of a worry what is the first time i've heard about the belbin rolls for a while as well Um, but what 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 i thought was was nice as well about you you messaging doug and and him coming back to you and and i know darren on the previous uh, previous episode said the same thing he said he's had i don't think he's had anybody that's not wanted to come on his podcast because they're just uh, authors, you know, people are just happy to talk and, and have that human connection and, and, you know, actually want, want to share their work. You know, a lot of these, a lot of people that have written books of, you know, sweated and, and bled and, and cried. And, you know, I haven't myself, I can't, I'm not saying that that's from a, a personal uh, uh, angle, but I can just imagine how difficult it is. I have trouble enough writing an essay sometimes. So to write a whole book, <laughs> you know, and, and and so yeah, they would. I, I I would I would if I had written one, be in that position where I would love to share and talk with people about you know why I went about doing it and you know my my favourite part and this that and the other. So you know we've got ourselves, you've got yourself here a really good, a great thing going, uh, GLT Book Club, uh, and long may it continue. I think how many episodes are you up to now? We have done thirty in this calendar year. It'll be by the uh, by the end of the year now. We are thirty fantastic amazing and and yes and long may they continue um i I was going to ask you how you think that the book club can shape or change in in a school community but i think we've kind of answered that in a way and i think you giving your very honest uh, and open uh humble reflections uh about what it's what it's been for you in terms of running them i think those actually are almost enough to just to just motivate and, and and inspire people to actually do the same themselves you know if they're going to get those similar sort of outcomes from what you two have just said in terms of what you've how you've grown professionally then how can they afford not to start a book club in, in their uh, in their school right um absolutely and just don't be kind to yourself when you do it mm. just be kind to yourself and we started right at the beginning and dave just kept telling me look re we'll just make it 10 percent better next time and that's all we can strive for Let's just keep making it 10% better each time. And that removes so much fear Mm. away from it that it means you're actually more likely to take a risk. So that's what I, that's, that's my advice anyway. Brilliant. And you've got the, all the resources that we're going to signpost uh, from the GLT Book Club. Plus, many book authors and extra do also have accompanying questions. I noticed the, um, the 99 studies that all teachers should know uh, by Inner Drive, they actually have a, a little handout of questions to discuss with this book as well. So whether that, if that's the way, because there's just a, a um, 
obscene amount of uh, of edgy books out there at the moment now, isn't there? They just keep on pumping their, them their out. Questions, <laughs> yeah, their questions are linked on our session support links as well. So when I see them come up, I think, you, were you going to say something, Dave? Uh, just one thing to like, add, if that's the right to mm. that, is that um, if you are going to set up a book club, I think that there's a few little learning um, points that we've had along the oh, way that yes, might please. be supportive or might not. Um, and, and one of those is um, just to, to, to know your staff and to know what it is that you actually want to, to get at your book club before you start. Um, that's something that as we build, we start to learn what we could do. We maybe didn't have our eye on that ball at the very beginning. We were just like, oh, let's invite authors. This is really exciting. And, and was it the best? Um, session for the staff that we had in front of us and and that thread that golden thread going through um, and then just to keep things small and regular um, it's been really important for us as well and to aim high um, and it's the organization and the communication that keeps it ticking along um, but we've tried to design our sessions as well so that you can dip in and out of them so that they can be used for maybe um, direct coaching or, or, or indirect coaching but they can also be used as that blank canvas as well and so um, hopefully leaders um, who may be listening uh, will be able to take that, that wider resource and then um, tailor it for their academies. And so hopefully we've got something there that where, where a lot of the work's done for people as well and, and people will be welcome to use that free of charge as well if it's useful. Oh, absolutely phenomenal. Listen, um, I've taken more than enough of both of your time. It has been an absolutely thrilling discussion and it's been fantastic to kind of really get to get underneath the hood of the Greenshaw Learning Trust book club. Uh, I've you know, personally enjoyed and, and, and been you know, so happy coming away and invigorated, as we said earlier, of, of many of those sessions. So I just wanted to thank you both um, personally, really, the, for, for doing everything that you do and, and bringing this community together. And I think, as as Rhiannon was was saying earlier, you know, it is the the, the two of you together. Together, you are you are stronger. And, and, and I think the relationship that the two of you had really does make this work. And it really does give it that kind of authenticity um and and that kind of that that fuzzy sort of warm you know manner in which you 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 go about um uh, well just just conducting yourselves uh, during the sessions and, and and before and after as well so so huge thank you and and yeah um i hope that our listeners today have gotten an awful lot out of today as much as i have i'm sure they have um and we will put all of the links plus the google form to for you to sign up to be part of the book club in the show notes at the end of today so it just leaves me to say thank you very much rhiannon and dave for giving up your time on the show today thank you so much for asking us thank you for having us thank you take care we'll see you soon Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.